Brian, I've got an incredible story to tell you. Okay. Okay. I want you to brace yourself. Um, and I should have told you this last time we recorded. I just forgot. And I don't know how I forgot because this is one of the most cosmic coincidences that I've ever seen. So the last time we recorded an episode, I had some time to kill before we hopped online to record. Mm-hmm. So I watched an episode of The Simpsons. Uh, and I want you to take a guess, Ryan. There was a guest star on that episode <laughs> of The Simpsons. And I want you to take a stab in the dark. Who do you think that special guest star was? Is it uh, David Hasselhoff? No, it's not David Hasselhoff, but that's a that's a good guess. That's way more thematic than what I had in mind. Uh, <laughs> right. No, I swear to God, the the guest star in this episode, an hour before I got online with you, is Yo Yo Ma. No. <laughs> okay, okay. So for your listeners out there who may not know, uh, who may not know us as well. Uh, this every time I would greet Fantasia uh, in school or just in general is I would always start by saying yo yo ma and that, that was like my <laughs> greeting um, and it was just funny it's just a fun kind of pick me up phrase to you know just show the enthusiasm of seeing this guy so <laughs> that's awesome though that she saw yo yo ma or a cameo of yo yo ma in The Simpsons man that's <laughs> it it could that's not have been. More perfect. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. Well, well, who is this handsome man here who is who is co co uh, uh, hosting the show with me today? Who are you? Oh, oh man, I'm Ryan J. Whitehead, and I am honored and blessed to be co hosting with you, sir. You, Andrew Fantasia. Actually, I'm Mary Poppins, y'all. <laughs> awesome. Oh yeah. Okay, this is gonna be this is gonna be a good episode. Yeah, oh yeah. Oh yeah! If we had rights to music on this podcast, we'd play some sort of Guardians. Oh man! Uh, Well, welcome to Infinity Rewatch, everybody. Uh, The show that you go to every time you want to hear about Yo Yo Ma. Uh, That's the this is our our Yo Yo Ma podcast, but it's also about Marvel. Yo Yo Ma, buddy. Yo 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 Ma Ma. to you, sir. Yo Yo Ma to you. It should be one of those things like Aloha, where it means hello and goodbye. Like, I think that's what it is. I think <laughs> it should. I, when we wrap up today, I'm going to wish you a yo-yo ma. Before. <laughs> awesome. Uh, All right. So what are we talking about today? What's on our episode? What's on the agenda? Today on the Infinity Rewatch agenda is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. And I think that's the as good a place to start as any because I want to touch on Volume two, I want to touch on this title of the movie because um, I have this little thing where I I have a sort of weird obsession with movie titles and sequel movie titles. I did like a whole video essay on it on my channel. I might have to do another one because I feel like I haven't said everything there is I need to say uh, about sequel titles. But I have this weird obsession with them and there are sequel titles that I do not care for um i'm looking at you rambo 4 uh, and then there are sequel titles <laughs> that uh just they do something to my brain that's like catnip it just it hits a pleasure center in my brain and it makes me just so happy to just say it out loud uh one of my favorite examples of of like a great sequel title is friday the 13th part 8 jason takes manhattan <laughs> which is just like all if I ever am in a bad mood all you have to do is say that title to me and I will no longer be in a bad mood like I I want that it uh, on my gravestone I want it to say my name 
when I died and then like, hey, here's a great sequel title, Friday the 13th Part 8, Jason Takes Manhattan. Like it just, it's so pleasurable for me to say out loud. And when, <laughs> I, I, I'm weird, I know. Uh, and when, when it comes to the MCU, they have been really cool and creative with their, their sequel titles because they've sort of tried everything. They've, mm-hmm. uh, you know, with Iron Man, they've gone the plain and simple route of just Iron Man 2, Iron Man 3, which I love. Yeah. I love numbers. If a sequel has a number in it, it makes me so happy. Um, and I hate when they do have numbers and then they stop like the Halloween franchise did. Like, what, what are you doing? What are you doing? Don't be afraid. <laughs> don't be, I know it's part six, but don't be afraid. Just save friggin' part six in the title. What's wrong with you? Um, mm-hmm. And then, you know, you got others that uh, in Marvel that went for like the subtitle route, like Spider-Man did it and uh, Thor did it. Captain America did it. Captain America did it. And I, I could be wrong. I think I saw a logo. I don't know if the logo's legit, but if it is, it has me very excited. Um, the only thing that has me more excited than numbers, Ryan, is Roman numbers. And apparently Ooh. Black Panther 2 is a Roman numeral 2. And if that's oh. the case, oh, I'm going to, if, if that's the case, I'm just going to like hold the poster in my bed at night. And it's, that's going to, oh, I, I love Roman numerals so much. Uh, but then, so yeah. Yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy comes around and we got volume two. And that to me, dude, is so great because it's like it's like a triple threat because A, it's got a number, so it makes me happy. B, calling it volume makes it sound really big and epic. It's like like mm-hmm. Star Wars mm-hmm. episode, whatever. Like it has that that big epic feel to it. And then the third thing is that it's sort of it makes sense in the world because Peter Quill's got those tapes. He's got awesome mix, volume one and two. It it's thick. <laughs> Everything yeah. fits. It fits. It, it's it's well planned. And James Gunn, um, for a guy who has a very quick-witted sense of humor uh, to his work, um, very, very intelligent sense of humor to his work as well, it seems like he carefully plans out um carefully plans out these things in fact i think if i'm not mistaken he actually goes shopping around for the soundtrack first and then builds a script based on the soundtrack wow uh, is is what is is what i remember reading about it and i'm pretty sure that is the case and uh because i remember he's i remember watching uh behind the scenes on guardians of galaxy and he was talking about how like the soundtrack is very important to him and that like that helps him build the structure so um yeah and uh i you know you said it best i definitely love the volume two thing you know if it were the, like the the early 90s or like the 80s and the black panther film came out i think there'd be like claw marks for like the two mm-hmm. <laughs> and then it'll be like three for the third one <laughs> but uh but yeah no i you know there's something classy about roman numerals in in a, yeah, in a movie um i know star wars was uh was a big one so mm-hmm. um yeah, uh, but I, I agree. I like the Roman numerals, but I also like the fact this volume two because I think this definitely feels like a mixtape that someone made. Like the the Guardians movies feels like a, a one giant mixtape in in many different ways, and it's such a clever construction. And and I agree with you on that. So, and this movie, I mean, it just starts off with a great tone. I mean, the the, the fact that James Gunn took a group of characters who were like pretty sure they were on the d list as well they weren't they weren't very popular they definitely had a cult following and uh and created probably one of the most popular uh one of the most popular marvel movies like definitely uh that needs to stand uh above it all so 
pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. And uh, I will also say that this movie came with a little bit of excitement because at this time, um, James Gunn announced that on Twitter that he's like, oh, by the way, we got ego in our movie. And uh, and there was a big uh, law. I want to say law. I don't want to say lawsuit because that means that like someone wronged somebody. There was an agreement uh, that was that was sorted out in the courts about the rights of Marvel. And James Gunn announced that they got ego and they also got the scrolls. And that's when the big conversation came or at least started, didn't didn't get very far at the time, but it started at that time um, that there was a lot of rumors going around that uh, Marvel was going to acquire the Fantastic Four. Um, now, so to be fair, that... to be fair, like every Hollywood movie has ego. This is just the first time that's been a good thing. <laughs> Well, I mean, ego ego is a normally a Fantastic Four villain, so it was it was pretty big deal. But I remember James Gunn said he wanted to do ego, um, and they that Marvel was Marvel decided to help get the rights to for them to use ego and uh, and also get used for the scrolls. So that was that was pretty huge, man. Like mm-hmm. a lot of people are like, oh man, you know, okay, Fox okay you're gonna get x-men you're gonna keep x-men but fantastic four there everyone started figuring out that like okay if if fox doesn't make another fantastic four movie that means in this many years they can get fantastic four and it it, like people were doing the math people were getting hyped people were getting excited because when you say people you mean you and nick whitehead amongst them yes yes that is true but i will say i will say that i i remember following news articles and social feeds that were uh sharing the same same enthusiasm that we were right and i'm glad it went down that way because i didn't know that about ego i didn't know he was a, an ff villain but mm-hmm. fantastic four has a pretty chunky list of like their rogues gallery is long so yeah share the love man because like who else are the guardians gonna fight like give them give them some somebody cool to work with, and well in that in that that case like uh, one of the uh, one of the guardians uh, guardians of the galaxy comics I have I think it's called Legacy, um, like their villains are weird like they're yeah. not, they're not uh, they're not your conventional conventional kind of villains but um, but at the same time. Uh, yeah, no, it was uh, it was bizarre and uh, but I I agree I think it was time to get some really interesting villains out there. So, uh, so yeah, ego was a big choice. So, um, this movie had, uh, but this movie had a lot of success from the first one. Like one thing I noticed is that this movie had the same, um, same kind of groundbreaking feel that Iron Man did, which is what, which it served in the sense that, it pulled new people in the first guardians movie pulled people that in that weren't necessarily fans. And that's Mm -hmm. what gave it a lot of kind of big, uh, a big following and and got more people into the MCU. I remember a friend of mine, she was like, Oh man, do you want to see guardians? This looks really good. And it's just like, you want to see that? (laughs) So, you know, it's like, here I am being like, Hey, you should come and watch these movies. And someone's going out of their way to be like, Hey, you should go. You want to watch the guardians with me? It's like, yeah, hell yeah. Let's do it. And we, we live in an era now where, I mean, like we are in November, 2020 and we, Mm -hmm. we live in a world where everybody has fallen in love with baby Yoda. Uh, Yes. We got to remember as ingenious 
a creation as Baby Yoda is. James Gunn did the same thing with Baby Groot, and he was a few years oh, ahead of the game. Oh yeah. So, yeah. and like that, my my mom likes Guardians of the Galaxy because I showed her that one little clip of Baby Groot, and she's like, "This looks cool. What is this?" Yeah. Oh yes, I remember the Baby Groot bomb. Everybody, mm-hmm. I remember the. I remember right away when the they made a toy of like a dancing Baby Groot, and I'm like, "Yep, yeah. that's that's when you made it big, right there." It's funny. I've seen lots of those. Like I actually have one of those toys, the ones where he's in the planter and he dances, but I've never seen a toy of this baby Groot from this movie. That's true. Yeah. I I don't remember. I don't remember any kind of big, big thing about that baby Groot. That could be so easy to make. It's like the size of a water bottle, just like a little dude. Mm -hmm. That's like people moved on. People moved on very quickly. (laughs) This is, this is toddler Groot. He's no longer cute. <laughs> no we only longer. want it's like every everybody who loved baby Groot is like those people mm-hmm. who buy puppies, but then they don't want to take care of him when they get, turn into like an older dog. So yeah. they, it's like send it back to the pet store or something. It's like, oh, look at this baby tree dancing in a flower pot. That's like, oh wait, now it's got feet and it's walking around. Ew, gross. Yeah. Just ugh. Ugh. Well, but I mean, it actually is a good segue. So right out of the gate, I think this movie, what it does, just rubs Baby Groot in your face like pretty hardcore. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it was pretty awesome with the opening sequence of them. Um, uh, well, the opening sequence, first of all, of Ego in you know doing his thing. Yeah. And then we get the, yeah, just uh, having a good time in that that beautiful Trans Am. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, and I love that. I don't get the Dairy Queen reference, but Dairy Queen's pretty loud and clear in this movie. I, I love uh, seeing it because I, I have this, this thing, uh, while we're learning about all my quirks today, uh, I have another quirk where it has nothing to do with sequel titles, but I also have this quirk where I'm, I love seeing old logos for things. Um, oh, cause yeah. when, when things change their logos, that's it. And, uh, like the world went through this boom in like the late nineties, early two thousands when computer graphics became a thing and you saw it in logos everywhere with like, you know, restaurants, you know, food, cereal boxes, sports teams did a lot where their logos became really big and colorful and like doing things that you couldn't do before computers. Uh, but then it lost some of that old charm. So this Dairy Queen, when we see that old Dairy Queen logo where it actually says the words Dairy Queen, I love mm-hmm. seeing things like that because ever since that graphic arts boom of the late 90s, what did they do? They changed it to DQ. They put a couple colored like swishes in there and it's been like that ever since. Oh, that's true. Yeah. That's a good point, actually. Yeah. And but I mean, it, it definitely is a nice nod, but it's it's also very tone setting to kind of remind you that this you know that uh, I think it's a nice nod that 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 Peter Quill is still a guy that's trapped in a specific time frame because he only grew up on Earth in the like late eighties or was it the late eighties? Maybe it's the early eighties. It was yeah, yeah it was now. most of the eighties because this flashback yeah. happened in nineteen eighty. So I'm assuming in like eighty nine, however old he was when he got sucked up by by the ship. I'm assuming mm-hmm. it was like eighty nine or ninety. Well, it was something like that, but he had like all these references that were out of date, but to him, he thinks they're still current and relevant. And yeah. we can get to see that later on in the Avengers. Uh, I'm sure I'll make a hilarious reference of that when that happens. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but um, this movie, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's Dairy Queen. It's a small nod, but it's, I love how just so front and center it is. Uh, and then we get to um, the, uh, the planet they're on, which I love the sovereign. 
and uh, and they're they're waiting, and he's using the uh, the the football um, old school video game there as a tracker for this alien life form that comes in, mm-hmm. slams into the ground, and then they're fighting it. And the fight scene's fun, and I just love the group dance sequence. It's kind of like I feel like if they're when they do the volume three, we're gonna see a dance sequence in the, bit, the beginning of the movie. Um, and, uh, and then that baby Groot sequence was actually motion captured by James Gunn of, of the kind of dancing he did when the, uh, when the, when the song came on. So that was kind of oh, cute. Yeah. And it, I, I love how the characters are kind of really, really got their chemistry now, like as a team and they're all doing their thing, like rockets building the sound setup for them. <laughs> and Drax is just being Drax and, uh, and, uh, and Gamora is just the, the badass leading the team. Yeah, the, sorry, bad. The bad, the bad person, the bad person. Oh, she's she's a badass. She is plain and yeah, simple badass. badass. Th- this might be one of my favorite opening title sequences ever. Uh, it's just really? so it's so much fun. It's so beautiful to look at. It, it has that thing of um, like I remember bringing this up to you when we did our Iron Man three episode. It has that sort of sequel confidence where right away yes. the movie knows that it is a sequel to a movie that everybody loved and it has it has that confident swagger to to the the way just the scene unfolds uh and i i just thought oh i was so pleased with the way that opening scene went and i noticed something in the song lyrics that i never noticed before um the music in this movie is not i'm not as familiar with all of it as i was with the music from part one everything here i feel is a lot more like you gotta be like a music guy or a music girl to to know these songs and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not a music person uh but there was a lyric in this song where the singer says welcome to the human race and i thought that was really interesting because that's the final line of dialogue spoken by kurt russell in escape from la what yeah. oh my god he stares oh, right into the camera wow. and welcomes us to the human race oh my god God, wow, you, sir, have outdone yourself this episode already. And they were only in the beginning. <laughs> oh, wow, that's good. Now, let, oh. me, let me ask you a question that I don't think I've ever asked you. Uh, have, have you ever, because this is a huge deal with movies um, and, and with like, uh, it's a huge point of contention for a lot of people. Have you yourself, Ryan, ever watched a movie and felt like, it suffered because there was too much CGI in it. I've suffered because there's too much CGI. In that it. the movie suffered. That you were like, I would like this movie if it had less CGI. Have you ever oh, watched a movie? Yeah, that happened so many times. Wow. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. There's there's been. I mean, lately, no. Lately, mm-hmm. I think CGI is finally kind of caught up with technology a little yeah. bit. Um, but there were some movies that I just was like, you couldn't, uh, you couldn't have done a practical effect for this. Like, this is so bad. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yes, I feel, yes, there has been cases in the past, uh, where the CG just, oh, you just, oh, God. uh, for example, for example, um, I, uh, I will say, uh, Jurassic world is actually an example where I feel like they CG'd a little too much. They had, then they did it on purpose because they they actually had a scene where they actually used one animatronic 
and they're like, oh yeah, this is our send off into like what was the past. And I'm like, why? Why would you do that? You guys clearly can make these things, and you guys clearly did well. The first one, people will still go and watch because of like the practicality of it. And and it still holds up the test of time. And they're like, oh yeah, no, we're gonna go CG on this. Why would you do that? Why would you do that? And then they're like talking Star Wars and turning Yoda into CG. Why did you do that? <laughs> Why would you do? You could have just kept him a puppet. And then for the one scene, the one scene where he had to do like crazy flippy stuff, then. Then okay, yeah, CG the crap out of it. But you didn't you turn the whole movie into a CG? Yeah, yeah. So yes, it's the long answer of it all. Yes, Andrew. Yes, Fantasia. Yes. Yes, CG can hurt a film. Wow. Okay. No, I, I can I can get behind that. I talked to both your personalities. And you did. <laughs> I, I can get behind that. I've 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 never been taken out of something by CG. Granted, I haven't seen a lot of bad cg i'm sure if i dive into like some b movies or something like i'll see a lot of really bad stuff i do prefer practical stuff just because it reminds me of you know movies growing up and it's it looks nice but i mean i i know a lot of people who hate on the mcu and who hate on just modern blockbusters in general because Mm -hmm. of reliance on cgi and when i look at the opening to guardians 2 which is clearly a huge just smorgasbord of CGI. I can't help but think, how the hell do those haters expect a scene this beautiful to be done any other way? Yeah, but that's see, that's different, right? Because then the premise of your, the premise of what you were asking me earlier is kind of different. Because when a movie relies on CG, then it's bad, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if it's used, if it's used carefully and it's crafted carefully then uh then it looks good um another example that i just thought of uh is like the matrix 2 that whole fight scene was cg and it was terrible it looked so bad (laughs) and i get i get why they did it but did they have to do it that way i don't believe i i it's like uh it's like with the mandalorian right like they were gonna cg baby yoda and like John Favreau called him out. There's an article saying he called him out when they were like, "Oh, we should go CG." He called him out and said they were cowards. Right. For uh, yeah. and and look and and at the time of this recording, guys, like Mandalorian is on a high right now. They just they're crushing it. And and you look at that child and tell me what CG has sold that kid. Like, what if if it was if that child was CG through and through? Would you have been sold on that that character? No, you would not have. No, definitely not. And you're right. There's a time and a place for it. I just, mm-hmm. you know, I, I see people hating on, like, I've read reviews of Guardians Volume 2 specifically, which is why I bring it up in this episode where people are like, this is just a bloated mess with too much CGI. And I'm like, okay, how do you expect to see this movie you just saw without CGI? How do you expect to see Ego Mm -hmm. without CGI? Like it it boggles my mind that that can be something where people are like, this movie sucks because it used CGI. Oh yeah, no, see, but that, and again, different circumstance, right? Like this was a scene that needed it. Like, and and I think it did it in in the smart sense because it felt like, like they were so far into a different world, right? So, and, and, and again, this is one of those things where technology is like way ahead now. So, it was pretty incredible. Like it, it looked beautiful. It actually looked like you were like turning pages of a comic book 
sort of watching the beautiful colors and, mm-hmm. and James Gunn in that opening sequence, the amount of colors he used from like the blasters and like um, just the explosions and, and the, the, the portal with the creature, like you're, you like, you're getting so much. Um, I actually did watch this uh, movie in 4k and, and really it did pop with all the, uh, all the colors that were going on. And it was, it was just a fun battle for sure. Oh, I've never watched um, a 4k anything. Yeah. It's, it's a game changer. It's a game changer. It's, you know, I always, I remember seeing those, uh, those DVDs out there and, 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 uh, at, at stores like Best Buy and they would have like the transition video where they'd be like, this is what your DVD looks like. This is what it looks like on Blu-ray. And I will say that when you watch things in 4k, it's really hard to go back. Wow. Yeah. Not to, not to brag, man. It's not it's not that case. This is just a case <laughs> of like watching movies in ultra high definition. Um, but anyways, yes, colors pop, everything pops. It's like it's you know what? I'll I'll put a comparison for you. You can go see a movie mm-hmm. in regular theaters, not at the, not right now because we're social distancing. Yeah, please don't do that now. We, yeah, no. don't do that now. But if you go to the movie theaters and you go see a movie, you watch it, you love it, it's great, right? But when you when you hear like oh there's a marvel movie or a star wars movie if you haven't seen it in an imax you owe it to yourself one day if they <laughs> once we get through this you need to go see that movie in an imax experience because once you see an imax experience it's you never want to go see a movie like a marvel movie or a star wars or a comic book film any other way because it's just such a spectacle and imax is like oh it transforms your experience right and that's 4K like I, the same way? 4K is pretty much the same way. Yeah, wow. it's, it really it really transforms it. I mean, uh, I mean, you you and I saw that. Well, I don't think it was 4K at the time, but you and I saw uh, Speed Racer, and oh. I <laughs> and it was it was it was game changer. It was really good, right? So I'm it, still it, shaking like, from how cool that movie was. I'm yeah. still shaking. But you, if you saw that in a regular theater, or even when you watch on TV now, it's it's not quite the same unless yeah. you're watching an IMAX, right? Um, but yeah, and I will say that thankfully technology is really caught up in the film world. So like when when you do CG now, um, not only does the performance transform, but really like the the, the whole experience transforms. So, and now you need a 4K TV for that too, right? So you need the player yes. and the TV. Okay, all right. Yeah, I have yeah. neither. So I'll, I'll hold out for a while. You you don't need it. You don't need it. I'm just no. saying it does when you're seeing like movies like this where the where use of color is a big deal, then yeah, it, yeah. it, it really transforms I'm, it. Like I'm a big physical media guy. Like I'm, I've never downloaded a digital movie in my life. I just buy mm-hmm. Blu-rays and DVDs. So I think eventually I'll end up going down the 4K road. But as long as I can still buy physical copies, that's all I care about. I want to hold yeah, a no, nice sure. shiny box for Avengers eight. And I want the box to come oh, in a nice yeah. slip case. And I want to take out a nice silky smooth disc with some nice bonus features on it. That's the, I, I still want to live in that world 10 years from now, 20 years from now. It sucks actually. Cause uh, I missed the collector's editions of Marvel. They had only two phases where they actually did like something really cool. Um, the first one they did was the agents of shield case. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you open up the case, it has the Tesseract in it and everything. And the second one, they did the power stone uh, with the guardians and uh, yeah. And um, 
it was really it was really cool but they don't really do them anymore but that still doesn't beat you know i agree with you it still doesn't beat like buying like a dvd box and like or blu-ray box now and just opening that bad boy and being like oh yeah uh, but to bring it all back to uh, Guardians, yes, epic opening fight scene. The dancing's a lot of fun. We get to see the Sovereign, which are actual characters from the uh, from the Guardians world. Yeah, um, Guardians. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, like, I found it interesting that because at this time we were still trying to figure out who's who's um, who's uh, who's Star Lord's father is. And in the comics, uh, and everyone was convinced that it was going to be Jason of Spartax, um, yeah. which is like space government, um, <laughs> uh, to which to which like everyone answers to. Uh, and um, and James Gunn stated, "No, we're not doing that. It's not going to be Jason of Spartax." So everyone's like, "What? What the hell?" So so in this so we get to see the sovereign and so basically the reason why i bring up this this point is because in the in the galaxy there is uh the spartax people which are like space government and all these different alien races report into them and they have like a big democratic you know uh convention and just all talk about you know trades and stuff um and sovereign's part of them and uh sovereign uh for people who knew their comic book reference right out of the gate is uh where a certain character we, which we will mention uh uh down the road uh is a part of and it's a big character so we knew we knew right out of the gate where this story was going um <laughs> he uh I, I will just say it now um there is a post-credit scene uh that uh that is related to uh adam warlock um and adam warlock is uh from the sovereign Ooh, that's right because he is a gold man yes i will get i will deep dive into that when we get there um but uh i just wanted to point that out right away that like you already know that like okay we're dealing with adam warlock's race um and uh i love oh i love the sovereign i think they're i think they're a great beginnings they are the great beginnings of what could be a great villain um and um and i love the actress who played it and she actually had a great time she said uh doing guardians and like can't wait to can't wait to just kind of uh hop back into it uh elizabeth debecky yeah that's right she she's gonna be um i don't know if you watch the crown but uh in season five she's gonna be the next princess diana Oh, she's oh, playing Diana. Yeah, not not in this new one that just came out because uh, every season they age and they or every couple seasons on the show they age and they change actors. Uh, so oh, right okay. now the Diana is younger. She's played by Emma Corrin, but in season five it's going to jump forward about a decade. So she'll be played by Elizabeth Debicki. Now the character that she played here, High Priestess Aisha, is she a comic character? Yes. Oh, cool. Yes, she is. Uh, she is a comic book character. Um, and uh, yeah, and I mean the story lines up just so well. I don't, think, I feel like I don't really need to elaborate further than that. Um, but yes, this is an actual character. There's a couple of characters that are introduced in this one that are actually uh, Marvel characters. Um, but Aisha is definitely one of them, and uh, I love that they're like they're the race of perfection and like that they're gold. Yeah. So. <laughs> um yes uh but her name is different uh she's um uh or no no sorry sorry scratch that no so my guardian's knowledge is not as great as my brother's my brother's false alarm 
cosmic. But yes, uh, Aisha is like an actual character. And she's, I love that big dome they have where everybody just pilots their drones like like this like this big old arcade. And they got <laughs> they got this, and everybody's just like everybody's so into it, but they also couldn't. You know, it's not there's no stakes for them. So it's like if somebody crashes, they're like, oh, well, this sucks. <laughs> yeah, no, it's for sure. Um, and uh, so, OK, so actually there was a fact. Sorry, I had to kind of tidy this up a little bit here. So her her name in the comics is Kim or Kismet. K-I-S-M-E-T. Yeah, that means also known. Yeah, she's also known as like she has like a like a code name, and her code name is Paragon. Um, okay. But she's also known as Aisha. Oh, okay. And uh, yes, she is known for trying to create uh, Mr. Adam Warlock. I kind of wish they stuck um, with Kismet because that's a badass name. I really like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but yes, she actually uh, was affiliated with the Canadian mutant group known as Alpha Flight. Alpha Flight with Puck, Northstar, and the rest. <laughs> I only and know those. Indicator, two. yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's uh, she was. Yeah, I can't believe she was on the the group Alpha Flight of all people. Wow. Uh, there's a little more history there I need to deep dive into. Anyway, very does she cool have powers or is she just like a powerful politician? <laughs> um, she's supposed to be the fe- female equivalent of uh, Adam Warlock in the comics, I think. And he um, has powers. Yes. So she has the ability of flight unaided survival in a vacuum. <laughs> I don't know what that. I guess that means a black hole or something. I, I mean, know. space. Like uh, ego. So she can basically do what ego did when he's on top of the, the little ship. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, and then energy blast regeneration and she has super strength and dur- durability. Ooh, durability. Mm-hmm. We could all use a bit of durability in our lives. Mm-hmm. That's right. We can, we could all use that for sure. Um, but yeah, she's uh show. Uh, She's from space, and then she's made it to Earth. She actually appeared in the Hulk comics first. Uh, she actually battled the Hulk, oh. um, and uh, kind of ended in a draw. And she decided to go and hide, and then go into a cocoon like Adam Warlock. Uh, and so I know that the Sovereign tried to create Adam Warlock as a weapon to protect them. Uh, and also as a weapon to, you know, enforce their will. But Adam Warlock grows a conscience and says no. Uh, he gets a little Jiminy Cricket, a little gold Jiminy yeah. Cricket tells him what's what. Uh, here's a question yeah. for you, though. Um, mm. And th- don't worry, this question does not involve, uh, it doesn't need you to have comic knowledge. It's actually just sort of a educated guess I'd like you to make. Uh, okay. So we've got, in Guardians, we've got, green people and blue people and pink people and now gold people. Like there's so much beautiful colors of, of all these different races, which actor, if you had to guess, which actor do you think went through the most intense makeup process? <laughs> Cause I'm split down the middle between two people. Oh man. I want to say I would say probably man 
I would probably say Nebula. Wow, yeah. Only because of the level of detail in her, like, cybernetics. Yeah. Um, And I would also argue Drax. Mm -hmm. Those were my two people as well. Oh, you made it sound like I was, like, way off the beaten trail. (laughs) No, no, no. I was liking where your head was going. Yeah, I think you're Mm -hmm. right. Because, like, Drax has a lot of makeup because he's got his chest and his head. And he's like a big dude too. So it's like, there's a lot of chest to cover. Um, but then, yeah, you look at Nebula and you're like, there's so much going on there. There's a lot of detail in Nebula. But I will also say as well, the reason why I picked Drax is because you could you could just make him blue or he's supposed to be, he's supposed to be like green actually in the comics. He's yeah, he's very the same green. skin as Gamora. Um, but Drax, this kind of, bluish green that they went for him you could have just sprayed that on but his his scars are actually well i guess they're like supposed to be tattoos but the scars on his skin are actually they're all different images yeah really close there's like skulls and stuff so the level of detail they would have had to go through to like put that on him would have been pretty intense i think at the end of the day like i think if i was walking down the street and I saw and like Drax was walking opposite. Like I, I passed Drax on the street. I'd be like, mm-hmm. Oh, that looks like Dave Batista wearing a whole bunch of cool makeup. Whereas if I passed Nebula, I would not think of Karen Gillan. I'd be like, there's a blue lady. Yeah. And then that's as far as my mind would go. So I think that in terms of just covering a person, I think Nebula has the most intense makeup. Yeah, she does. And I feel like the first one, they actually used more of like, like she had like the cool, uh, when when they're on the, the kiln, I think it was called, um, you actually see like she has like a, a transmission that comes into her eye and it like lights up in a different way. We get to oh, see wow. more of it in the Avengers and like get to see like different layers of her like cybernetics and stuff. Um, but it was, yeah, I, I think those two go through the biggest makeup process. I think Aisha looked absolutely incredible. Like the, the, they really did a good job making the, the sovereign look very gold and, and, and kind of like, just, I don't know, like a golden statue. Like they're just yeah. absolutely gorgeous to look at. That's um, exactly what they look like. Like those people who are like, they stand in Times Square and they pretend to be a statue because gold is hard to get right on skin yes yeah exactly it is it is very hard to get right but they're they were just absolutely stunning like they just looked so cool um i'm actually like pulling up some quick pictures here of aisha and just the level of detail like even though even though it's just purely like gold painted on which again doesn't compare to nebula but like just stand just oh man it's again they're just so elevated because of their look that you you can't even touch them like they're they literally are royalty so it's it's really cool to see anyway neither here nor there uh so um already you know they're they finished their job and they're like thank you and she's like oh already dropping like the who's your father you have a weird you know lineage and uh and so he's like oh not from missouri and like okay whatever and so rocket in classic fashion um being the the little troll that he is, uh, decides to steal these uh, <laughs> popularity batteries or whatever they're called. Yeah, Rocket's uh, a jerk in this movie. 
He's actually, yeah, I'd say they really, they really uh, upped his uh, his douchiness for sure. But I guess for uh, for obvious reasons, to which we find out later. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, and then it leads him off to do the whole thing. Uh, space battle was fun, and I love that Gamora always has to sit through this this moment where they're all about to die. And they're all arguing around each other. And she's just like, we're about to die over the dumbest thing. Like, this has happened to her at least twice now. Um, and she's just like, she's had it up to here. Um, but we also get Nebula uh, rescued uh, from from Thing. And they're going to trade her in. But I don't know if it was a rescue mission or they or they actually were going to sell Nebula. But anyways, they break out. Rocket steals the batteries. Um, and they're trying to shoot them out. Then they go through the asteroid field, the quantum asteroid field, which I don't know how anyone could actually navigate, to be honest with you. Uh, and they're saved by Ego, uh, to which we learn is Kurt Russell, which is awesome. Um, and we're also introduced to Mantis, which, interesting enough, the I remember the creator of Mantis was actually a little disappointed in the construction of the character in this movie um kind of portrayed a little too naive i believe was the terminology they used Hmm. i remember you telling me something about that and i i mean i'm obviously not the creator of mantis so i can't speak for them but i found her to be just like the picture of charm she was Mm -hmm. like she she stole everybody's heart everybody who watched this movie um she i think everybody walked into guardians 2 expecting to be swept away by baby Groot. And I think, I think baby Groot did fantastic, but everybody walked out of guardians Two having been swept away by Mantis. And I think the fact that she's a good old Canadian actress doesn't hurt Mm -hmm. things either. Uh, She's from, I think she's from Quebec. Palm Clement. She is. is, Yeah. She's from, I think she's from Montreal specifically, but yeah, she's, uh, yeah, she's from Quebec. Mm -hmm. Um, first i think actually first french canadian on um on uh marvel film so good for her uh oh, great performance i mean she did a great job nonetheless i think this just the, the representation of the character uh from the comics in the comics she's actually uh just just really um oh, what's the word she's just really confident and she's supposed to be like a martial arts master like she's supposed to be really good um and she has the ability to uh uh, be an empath so she can feel feelings as they say mm-hmm. um but i think i think because of the way they that james gunn used her in this movie was in the sense that she has spent her whole life essentially with uh with ego so she would be quite naive because she'd only get her information from ego yeah so... and it sounds like the way you just described her being a very confident super martial arts master it sounds like she's mm-hmm. just gamora with antennae and I, I can understand yeah. that. Then they'd be like, she's too similar to Gamora. We got to spice it up. We got to give her something different so that there can be contrast between all these characters. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I, I, I feel like if, if she was more of a kind of a more serious character, I think the movie would not have had as many comedic breaks. Uh, I feel they used her for a lot of comedic moments. Because mm-hmm. uh, I love the scene where the where. Well, first of all, they first meet her and then she's like, oh, I love your puppy. And she's like, can I pet him? <laughs> like all that little stuff was like they were breaking up some pretty intense moments like that, uh, that, you know, Peter finds out who his father is um, and he's like, just doesn't know what to feel and is very hesitant about like deep diving into it. I love how he creates the story that like his dad's 
David Hasselhoff uh, because yeah. you know, he was just that symbol uh, and just that simple during his time. So it, it makes sense. And um, so, so he learns Ego and then, um, and then as they're going to Ego's planet, which is interesting too, because when I heard it was going to be Ego in the film, I'm like, how, how on God's green earth are they going to do a guy who's literally a planet, like a <laughs> massive, like every time you see him in the comics, you just see what you, what you eventually see in the movie, which is his face in front of like his, uh, the planet and his face is the planet. Right. Yeah. Um, and, or sorry, his face is on the planet. And so uh, there has been human forms of ego, but most representations, he can't leave the planet. Like literally if you, if you walk, the surface of ego he can turn into a form that's like a human form and there is like comic representation of that but i don't think there's ever been a point where ego has left like sent a part of him off planet to go so it was it was interesting to do that um i was actually counting the minutes so i'm like okay when do we see the planet when do we see the planet i want to see the giant face uh in fact the only media representation i've seen of ego is the fantastic four cartoon uh, the one from the early nineties, uh, I think it was before X-Men. Um, but there was, if you haven't seen that cartoon, I do recommend you watch it. There's two parts to it. Essentially the first half of the cartoon is like very old animation and it doesn't translate too well in terms of watching it nowadays. Uh -oh. But the second half is fantastic. The second half, they have like a lot of great content, um, they have Ghost Rider, uh, they have Thor, and there's an episode with Thor where they find him in space, um, just floating, or, or sorry, the hammer uh, goes through the Baxter building, and they're like, oh my god, that must be a call from Thor, and then the hammer leaves the Baxter building, and then the Fantastic Four follow it to find Thor lying, you know, just lying in space. And they pull him in and they find out he was attacked by Ego, the living planet. So it was a very cool episode. Oh, um, but that was like the only representation you see of Ego that was like cartoon wise that I know of. Um, I haven't watched more of the more modern Spider-Man movie, Spider-Man shows or the Guardians one. But the last I saw of Ego was in the Fantastic Four cartoon. So he's a pretty like C-list villain too in the grand scheme of things uh, he's a hard he's a hard villain to do because he, yeah. again you have to go to him he doesn't come to you you find him um and there i think it's funny because the way ego there has been comics where egos had to battle it out and he gets destroyed and the only way to destroy ego is to call upon the planet eater himself which is galactus Ooh. so that's it's pretty cool right so um yeah it was interesting to do ego uh i love ego's story of of purpose and and meaning you know like because he's he essentially he said he said it himself he just like i had a thought and then next thing i know i'm like a life form kind of thing and you know it took him time and then he essentially built a planet around him uh and so and then i loved how he's like you know the world just was so lonely to him and then he's like He's like, you know, what do you do? And he's like, you create purpose. And he goes on, uh, he goes on a whole thing to go uh, find purpose and meaning. Nice. Yeah. And I really yeah. like, I really like that. Like his his plan, his his villainous plan was very believable for the character mm -hmm. that they made, and it yeah. was sufficiently threatening. It was very threatening, 
uh, and it it was still sort of human. It was still, you know, you understand why this creature would feel this way and why they would want to do this. Uh, yes, he's a psychopath and we got to stop him, but it it's it adds up. It doesn't feel like a crazy, it doesn't feel like they forced it into a situation where it's like, here's a bad guy the Guardians can fight. Like it, it all added up. And the integrating Peter Quill's origin into it all so that it's like, yes, this is why this guy is your dad and this is why your mm. mom died. Um, it's It all fit together. I don't know anything about Jason of Spartax and I don't know if that would have been an easier transition to film or not, but they took all these pieces that were not part of the Guardian story, but they fit it in so seamlessly that it's like, hey, we'll take it. Yeah. I, I mean, there, James Gunn did a great job. Again, this is just a, a good adaptation of like so much comic book into a beautiful kind of movie that fits in the universe um, of that Kevin Feige is constructed. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I, I love Ego's story and I love that. I love that it it kind of it explains a bit. Uh, I was a bit worried about the whole um, Star Lord having powers uh, kind of narrative, but uh, but you know, I mean, it makes sense. He's half god, and on the planet of Ego, I guess that he would be able to tap into those powers. Uh, and so I was a little, little bit worried that that was going to affect the character in terms of the long run, the long run of it all. But in the end, I. In the end, I like what they did, and we'll talk about that a little bit more. Um, but then we go back to Yondu's crew and the Ravengers, and they're kind of in this, what I will define as a speakeasy. Uh, <laughs> uh, you got the easy part, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. There's a whole lot of speaking going on in those parts, <laughs> if you know what I mean. They're they're in a space bar, uh, a, a sci-fi uh, a sci-fi space bar. And, Sometimes um, spacemen get lonely, kids. Yep, yep, they get lonely. But uh, I love this because uh, because we see Sylvester Stallone in the movie. Yeah, man. <laughs> okay, Sly Stallone himself is in the movie, um, and he plays a pretty significant character for a character who gets very little screen time. And giving um, arguably a great performance for Stallone. Like you, he is, he is doing a he, really yo, good job. The great, he won an Oscar. He, he, he won an Oscar. Uh, but I, like he, you know, you hear Sylvester Stallone and you hear a small role in a superhero movie. You don't know what to mm -hmm. expect, but you don't expect the intensity that he brought. He, yes. He I, really yeah, for a cameo. It. Yeah. Oof. I, I mean, I don't. I wouldn't even call it a cameo because I can't remember what the rule is. Uh, I can't remember what the rule is, my brother, when it comes to principal actors. But I think he has enough lines to be considered a principal actor in the uh, in the movie. But uh, it felt. I mean, the way they pitched it definitely felt like a cameo. Um, but uh, but I will say, like it was. Yeah, he delivered a pretty emotional performance. Um, do you know who he is? I, I know little bits and pieces. I know that back in the 80s when Guardians of the Galaxy was created, it was a very different team than the one in these films. And he was, I think, what's what's his, Stakar or something. Is his yeah, Stakar, yeah. Yeah, I, I think he was the leader of that team. And as a guy who loves world building and as a guy who just mm -hmm. wants to see as much of this world as possible, preach. I think the, the line, yeah, preach represent here. 
I think the line of dialogue in this movie that got me more excited than any line of dialogue in this movie is when he says, there are a hundred different Ravager factions and you just lost the business of 99 of them by serving (laughs) one. I was like, okay, we have now seen two factions. Where's the other 98? I am so (laughs) excited to see that. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Which, in which uh, later on we do. And, and I will say though, uh, just to elaborate further, Stakar is also known as Starhawk, which is the original leader of the Guardians of the Galaxy. Ah. Um, and uh, he, so he was the original, and the only character to cross between the original group and the new group was Yondu for a little while. And then Yondu kind of gets phased out. Um, and so, uh, yeah, so basically uh, he can... He has the ability to generate blast of energy, heat, and light beams, as well as fly. Um, and in fact, the crew he rolls with uh, for his group is actually the rest of the original Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, there is the uh, Charlie 27, uh, which is the crystalline character. Uh, and there's another character called uh, Aletta, who is also a part of the original Guardians of the Galaxy. Is she that so little head, like that little robot head thing? Yeah, uh, I think it's a little robot head. Yes. No. 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 Uh, no. It's it's one of the it's no because the little head was with uh, somebody else. It was with um, oh man, it was with uh, what's her face's crew. Um. Anyway, so I can't remember, but anyways, the 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 Ravager Ravager crew that's with Sly Stallone is the original Guardians of the Galaxy. And technically including Yondu, but Yondu transitions into the new Guardians and and then the new Guardians can do their own thing. Um, but it was really cool to see that. Uh, it was really cool to see kind of that nice transfer there. That little talking head, actually, that you mentioned, little robot head, uh, is actually voiced by Miley Cyrus. That's right. She, I, I'm going to go straight out and admit this. I have a big crush on Miley Cyrus. I think she is, ah. a, she is a cutie. And if she ever wants yeah. to call me up, I am available. Um, yep. Uh, only between amen. the hours of two and five, Miley. <laughs> yep. So, uh, no, lovely, lovely young lady. Um, mm-hmm. and, um, uh, so yeah, so it was nice to see that. And then again, we get the sovereign with the, uh, the rolling carpet thing there. <laughs> yeah. Super elegant with the royalty. Um, and so, so we learn a little bit more about why. Star Lord was kind of uh, kidnapped, if you will. Uh, so, oh, I will. He was kidnapped. I will. <laughs> that is, yeah, that's mm-hmm. the right word for it. Yeah. So he was kidnapped because Ego needed him. Um, mm-hmm. And but what we didn't know was it was illegal for Ravengers to do that. And mm-hmm. I like that story though too. That it's like they're they're so on their code that uh, Yondu was offered must have been a hilarious amount of money for them to do that um to haul in human cargo like that and to risk i guess it too. other otherwise ravagers are they just like pirates they just steal stuff i i think they yeah i think they're i think they're space pirates is probably the best way to do it like they're 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 that traditional kind of sci-fi story where they're a group of pirates that find stuff and salvage and then sell it for a ridiculous amount of money um okay marvel marvel question then is cyclops's father corsair is he a ravager technically yes (laughs) that's a point for me that's right that's right i finally Um, have one point (laughs) (laughs) you've you've had a couple 
you got a couple. Um, I will say, uh, yeah, Corsairs. Uh, oh man, because the alien races are really complicated, but. He's a part of a, a renegade group um, called the Star, Star Jammers. Jammers and, yeah, yeah, and uh, I, they've they've tangled with the uh, they've tangled with the Ravagers a few times. Like they dance with them, um, but like okay, so there's the Sovereign, and which would mean you already are familiar with another alien empire, which is known as the Shi'ar. That's mm-hmm. uh, that's the X Men's alien race that they deal with a lot um so yeah the uh the shiar empire and there's obviously the crawl the, the, the crawl scroll kree uh there's oh man there's but the so crawl is a great movie so i won't hold it against <laughs> uh yeah no for sure uh so yeah um so yeah so the star jammers have uh collaborated with these uh, ravagers before okay. um okay so getting back to the story uh love the emotional story of the ravagers it they they go for some they go through some serious stuff and i love that they go after rocket um aisha convinces them to go after rocket and uh, i love that uh i love the scene where there's that like rocket knows that there's like something going wrong and he like takes out a chunk of them like he and he has mm-hmm. a blast doing it and it's it's really fun to see um and then and then yondu meets up with them and uh and he decides to take the batteries and this causes a huge mutiny and i love the story of the mutiny um uh, because like it i think it's interesting how connected they are even though they seem so distant and, and rough to each other yeah well there's like like craglin says later he's like they Kraglin, killed, all, they killed all my friends and i'm just like oh yes. man that's so and, and like the the one guy that you see get thrown out of the airlock uh that guy was chibs on sons of anarchy and he looks exactly like my uncle so i'm like i don't, <laughs> don't want to see him get killed yeah i don't want to see him like asphyxiate in space um but uh I I like the story. I mean, I I feel like this movie had a lot, a lot of emotional weight. Um, and to be honest, the movie at times, though the feeling came, it definitely went. Um, but sometimes it felt a little long. Like I don't know. I feel like some stories didn't need to be there, but but James Gunn did such an incredible job of just making you care about everything that happens in that movie. Like he really makes you spend that time with each group and uh and i love that <laughs> the ravagers first of all you know after the unfortunate after the unfortunate thing the new guy takes over his name's taser face <laughs> <laughs> taser face <laughs> so so yeah and then the uh then we get the the story about um then we go back to ego's planet uh and um we go back to ego's planet and uh and so mantis is trying to warn them um and i love i love the relationship with mantis and drax because i feel like it's obviously the the reflection of him trying to you know love his daughter like have love for his daughter uh yeah their their uh friendship is wonderful it is it is and and uh I think Drax, you know, I got to give points to Dave Bautista because he gives Drax such an emotional weight to him. Oh, yeah. Um, I love, I love it. It's uh, like when he's talking about his family, 
like he, the guy has great acting chops. Uh, if you ever saw Blade Runner 2049, he's got like a little scene in the beginning and he's so quiet and intense. Uh, he is, he's an actor. He's not just a wrestler who does movies for fun. He is an actor and he's great at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, he's, he's really, he's really improved over, over the years. Um, he's had, he has, I'd, I'd say he's almost had as a successful, uh, a successful a journey as, as, uh, Dwayne Johnson, actually, I would say he's, he's done just as well. Yeah. He's getting uh, there. I, I would argue, I think he's, he's more talented than Dwayne Johnson. Oh, mm-hmm. and I love Dwayne I, Johnson. The dude is, uh, have, have you seen Skyscraper Run? Yes. yes uh, it's so much fun. Like that guy, Dwayne Johnson just cannot make a boring movie. He's so much fun to watch. Um, but I would argue that as great as he is, he would get outacted by Dave Bautista. Yeah, I, I think with with the work I've seen, I would agree with you on that. Um, I but But I think it's also... Because when The Rock does a movie, it's like the physicality and intensity he brings um, is is pretty epic. But I think Dave Bautista has been given more chances to have more vulnerability. His yes, characters have, yes, His characters have uh, more opportunity for vulnerability. Um, and so, yeah, so I love I love the connection with him and Mantis. I love the he's like uh, I love how he's like you're ugly. And he's like, but that, that means that the people that love you, that they really love you. Yeah. He's got uh, a point. Anyway. He's got a good point. He's got a, got a, got a good point. Um, and, and so like, I am ugly. <laughs> but my and mom. Again, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, it's uh, again, like I, I, I like how Palm built Mantis. Like mm-hmm. at, on, on paper, I don't see how it translated as well as it did, to be honest with you. But yeah when you see her do it it just comes off so genuine and it's it's for a character that's been stuck on a, a living planet it's it's beautiful yeah i think that's something like the fact that it worked is just attributed to how talented she was and what she brought to mm-hmm. it like my mom used to date uh this guy richard and richard's brother had a girlfriend who was from montreal and mm-hmm. she sounded exactly like mantis and so I remember the first time I was watching this movie, I was, I was like thinking of her and like, I remember we had like Thanksgiving dinner one day or something and we were all eating dessert and I was sitting next to her and she was like, Andrew, do you like sweets? I love sweets. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Uh, that, yep. That, that, that's about covers. <laughs> no, but it's true. It's, I think it, it's obviously a, like the accent of Mantis is definitely a, a French Canadian accent, but it's done at a much, I think a more articulated, which like forces her to talk slower. Mm-hmm. She's overemphasizing a lot of words, but it, it does have a hint, hint of that accent there. Um, and yeah, but it was a great scene and a great emotional depth. And, and I love that. What I loved is how she fought Gamora. Cause Gamora like kind of catches on real quick that like something's up Yeah, and, and pins her to the wall. And the first thing Mantis does is, is put the feeling in her of like genuine fear. And that just yeah. goes to show you how powerful Mantis can be when someone's like uh, confronting her physically is she could literally just touch them and like make you feel the most intense amount of fear because she can implant that feeling in you, which is insane as a character. Mm. Like that's 
incredibly powerful. Just because um, somebody's naive doesn't mean they can't have great power. And like, yeah, mm-hmm. you look at these two characters, Gamora and Mantis, and you think like, oh, Gamora could kick her ass 12 ways till Tuesday. Uh, yeah. that, that, I don't know if that's still a thing you kids like to say on your apps, but uh, I'm going to use that saying anyway. Um, yeah. th- so like as soon as Gamora grabs her, you're right. Like Mantis doesn't waste any time. She uses what the arsenal like that she has in her toolbox. And she's like, mm-hmm. you are afraid. And that's the, that's it. That she wins that fight. <laughs> it's yeah. over like that. Exactly. So it's, it's over like that. And so um, it's, 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 it, it, you're right too. It, it's definitely over pretty quick. I also love the Nebula and uh, Gamora fight, but and it's, it's amazing Gamora's journey because like, she's always trying to one up Gamora and she essentially through the last fight they have in the second one, which, which is the ship. And she's like shooting her down the, the valley and whatever. Um, she almost, Gamora almost wins again, saves Nebula then Nebula tries to kill her mm. and then realizes she almost kills her and lets go and then just says, I won. And then through that, I think through that fight, she actually learns to like, you know, it's not about besting her. It's about protecting her, right? And like protecting protecting them themselves. And so they kind of grow that sisterly relationship. Um, yeah, those two are great. But that's, that's a, you know, Disney Plus is very when it comes to Marvel and star Wars, they feel like it feels like they're being very generous with the amount of spinoffs they're giving people, uh, especially yes. on this season of Mandalorian when they're like, you get a spinoff, you get a spinoff. It's like, well, <laughs> relax. Um, but I would totally be down for watching a spinoff. That's just Nebula and Gamora road tripping through the galaxy, trying to like make like rekindle their relationship as sisters and just like try to make up and be, and be pals again. And then every once in a while, you know, like somebody tries to kill them and they're like, let's go, let's go fight. Uh, clearly more articulate than the way I'm making it sound. <laughs> yeah. No, but, but it's true. I mean, their, their journeys, I, I think they get a lot of screen time, uh, those two. And I think it's because they're, they're part of Thanos' main overarching story. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and yeah, they do a good job for sure. Uh, so so they know they need to go to Ego. Uh, and so Rocket needs to catch up with them. Uh, and so I love the Rocket and uh, <laughs> I love the Rocket and Yondu scene because like they, you know, Yondu does a great job of kind of connecting with Rocket and understanding, you know, where they're both coming from. Um, but I love, <laughs> I love how they try to convince Groot to get the, the fin. And <laughs> And Groot keeps ringing the wrong things, um, which Groot goes through a pretty rough patch. I mean, they 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 tailor him into a suit to make him the mascot, and they like pour beer on him, and they do the whole thing, and it's pretty rough. Yeah, they're um, awful to Groot. Oh yeah, they're they're just just so intense to him. But anyways, I love when Yondu gets his fin because he now looks very much like the original Yondu uh, with the giant red fin on his head. Yeah. Uh, and I love the breakout, just like shooting and killing a bunch of people. And uh, I love that uh, Yondu kills um, Taserface uh, with the fiery arrow. I thought that was really neat. And I love how Taserface tells the Sovereign. He's like, just make sure you let them know it was Taserface. <laughs> and the woman laughs at him. Her laughter, that's one of my favorite performances in this movie is just her laughter. 
just the, you know she's all serious because she's she a her, and she oh my god it's that's exactly the right way to laugh at somebody who has just said their names <laughs> someone uh, just reveals someone that just reveals that their <laughs> name is Taserface. oh my god so now, now i have a couple of things i want to bring up about this this breakout scene uh, one of them is yeah. a, a bit of a point of contention i have with this movie uh in that i find that this movie sometimes it feels like they're they're making like they're they're really sort of pushing the limits of our our suspension of disbelief when it comes to why music is playing when it plays uh like they're kind of pushing that like i i had a problem the first time i saw this when i when rocket was like you got any of quill's old tunes on this ship and i'm just like is that really a priority right now? I get it. I get as a filmmaker, it's a priority because the scene is awesome with that music. But yeah. why does Groot, I'm oh, sorry, Groot, why does Rocket care that much to be like, well, you got the old tunes, fire up the tunes. Like it, it feels like an excuse to get the music going. And whereas I, I found think- all the music in part one was like, it, it fit in, you know, it never felt forced. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah. I, I don't know. And it, it wasn't always forced for me in part two. But there was mm. there were some little moments where it, it kind of felt like it was, and this was, I think, the biggest one. Where I'm like, uh, you know, you don't, you know, why can't it? It couldn't have just been like, yes, the music was on the ship, and one of the Ravagers is awake, and he was just listening to the music when the attack happened. You know what I mean? Yeah. No. So I I know what you mean, and so I think that my reasoning is because the more he thinks he's like, the more he doesn't like. Oh, I don't know if doesn't like this is a word. The more he hates or the more he demonstrates how much he hates or wants to be better than um, Star-Lord is I think the more he's like him, right? Because when Star-Lord is about to do something awesome, he plays music. Mm-hmm. So I think Rocket had Rocket is like, I think there, this is one of those things where he won't admit that he like deeply cherishes his friendship with, um, with uh, Star-Lord. And so, like, this moment of where he's, like, breaking out and he's going to go rescue him is like, okay, you know, I'm going to play this music because it reminds me of him. And, and you know, that's why he puts the music on oh. there and they kind of just have a good time. I don't know, though. I, I mean, I because this, this movie has, like, so much, so much of that music and, like, all that stuff and so much the emotion. There's a lot of emotion in this movie, like, a lot. Um, yeah. I think that that's that's why, but I I don't know. I could be wrong. Um, but you know, I, love the, uh, I, I can get behind that. I like that answer. That yeah, it's like this yeah. this little deep seated thing in Rocket where he's like, I kind of wish I was more like Quill, even though I uh, pretend I don't like him. I kind of do. There, it's, yeah. like, it's like Bradley Cooper is right here in the studio with me. It sounded so yeah. alike. <laughs> um, but I, yeah. another thing, another thing about the breakout that I really wanted to get your point of view on, especially your point of view, is. I'm trying to remember the the trailers for this movie and I'm coming up short, but I don't mm. think we saw Yondu's new and improved Finn and any trailers. So I wanted to ask you if you had any idea going into this movie that we would see that Finn. And if it was a surprise, how did you react? Um, It was a surprise because I, I, I think any scene that Yondu had in the trailers, I don't think he had his Finn. I don't think he had the new one. Uh, when he got the new one, I was just like, "Oh, he looks sick!" I'm like, mm. "That's what he." I'm like, "That's what he should look like." Because I mean, 
the first one it was cool but it i don't know because like when you see yondu in the comics he has this kind of beautiful like red fin mohawk and i like when they kind of gave him the shaved head one i was like eh, okay like i mean yeah you can see what they're going for visually but at the same time it's like mm-hmm. yeah that would be like if wolverine just had like little fingernails that he scratched <laughs> with. like it's you're you're doing what the character is but you're just kind of shrinking it down a little bit well it's like even in the x-men cartoon actually there was a few different episodes where they had like they must have had like a different art art team or what have you but um but wolverine's claws looked very thin like they were very uh, short and thin. And Ooh. I'm like, okay, I'm like, if, if it's Wolverine we're talking about, you're like, this dude's got like massive claws. Like the movie, the movie, though it came out of his like, the, came between his knuckles instead of like the back of his, his fists. Um, I would say the claws kind of length and like, and look was the most accurate like he's got he's got some pretty like massive claws so there are certain episodes where he has these kind of like fork looking (laughs) fork looking claws and it's like oh god he's got a little army knife in his hand yeah i'm gonna gonna stab you with a nail file bub (laughs) it's just yeah oh man i can't even i can't even come up with like what it what it reminds me of but but then there have been other episodes and the for the best one I'll recall and there's a there's a really good moment where he uses them um, is the the Hellfire Club uh, Dark Phoenix saga and uh, and he's going after one of the guys and he jumps off the balcony and pulls out his claws and his claws are just like perfect looking awesome. mm. but yeah, but that's to my point the same thing with the fin like the first the first time we see the Yondu's look I was like okay. I mean, the performance sells it. The guy, uh, oh, Rory, hell yeah. um, he sells it. He, he absolutely kills the performance and does a great job. In fact, the first time I saw uh, the, 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 uh, the dealer scene, when he goes to the, the jeweler, the jeweler to, to catch up with star Lord. And he's like, got any little creatures like this one. I like to put them all on my console, you know, like <laughs> the whole thing, um, which we do get to see that, that very same, um, uh, frog jewel on in later on in the movie uh but i love that scene it's it, he owns that what would be a simple like just tell me where he is kind of scene and he's just like got any other little creatures like this one i just <laughs> them all on my console and all that stuff it's it's hilarious um but yeah i was actually shocked and very excited like just that he looked like that because it was super badass mm, i, I love that new fan and it's, it's like one of those things where it's like, once you see it, you're like, how could I ever go back to the old one? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So they get on the ship, they head over to Ego, and they do like the, the portal jumping all the way over to, to, uh, to uh, the portal jumping all the way to Ego. And I love that we get our Stan Lee cameo, but we get probably an, the most interesting cameo of all of them, which is the, the, uh, the rumor and thought the rumor and thought that uh, that people were coming up with that that Stan Lee is uh, a watcher, and and so hmm. here he is hanging out with the watchers, and he's talking about all the times and see all the different superheroes. And what does he mention? What does he mention? He mentions that he was a, a Federal Express fan, and you know which cameo appearance that was in Fantastic Four. That's right, Fantastic Four. So. 
clearly there's a lot of nods to Fantastic Four in this this movie with not only the villain but the fact that we're getting the Watcher. Yeah, and I always associate him with the Fantastic Four. Yeah. So so I don't know this this was also uh some evidence towards the idea that Marvel may be getting Fantastic Four at the time. Now mm-hmm. they clearly have them, but it definitely at the time it was uh it was a it was a big deal. Yeah, that was 2016, so if we didn't know back then like nothing was We had on. no dude, we were the furthest to anything even if you talked to my brother and I, any sort of tangible evidence we had was like purely speculation. Like mm-hmm. it was like, oh, Marvel it was it was just the idea that we wanted Marvel to to get Fantastic Four. Yeah, who didn't at that point? Especially after right. that Josh Trank movie came out. Uh, <laughs> but, but at the same time, is like you, you look at Guardians and and just the the imagination and the art behind it, and and you look at that and you go, that I would love to see a Fantastic Four movie. If it looked anything like this, that's what I'd want. Oh, oh my God. When they do that movie, we are just going to be in bliss. We're oh just my be pure God, yes. Bliss. Now, there's another cameo when Rocket and Yondu are running around. And I don't know who, it looked like a big guy swinging an axe or something. Uh, was mm-hmm. that, um, I know there's a, a villain who fought Silver Surfer whose name was Morg. And I think he had a big axe. Um, and then I also remember a fantastic four villain whose name I think was Terax and he yes. obviously had a big axe. Now was that dude we saw for like a split second? Is he one of those two people or am I just a crazy no. drunk? You're crazy. You're, well, I mean, we don't know. There's, there's nothing on the internet that I've found that's anything close could be, but definitely, definitely not. No, not nothing confirmed. Okay. So that's just a rando dude as far as we know so far. Yeah. Okay. And yeah, so we get to the planet Ego. Uh, everyone's there, and uh, and so um, there's so much emotional weight in this fight. Like, first of all, I love that Star Lord. I love how Star Lord finds out about his mom, and it breaks him out of his trance. Oh yeah, um, it's it's pretty crazy how he figures it out, and then like just goes into like killing him. So okay, so the fight had a lot of emotional weight, and so I. I love the emotional weight that he like figures out his mom is dead and he just goes into the heat of the battle with him and, and the guardians all come together and they always do. James Gunn does the same shot he did in the first one, which is the, he has a moment where they all stand together like the Avengers and he kind of pans the camera around him. Um, And this is what concerned me though, because the way the fight was breaking out was like, they kind of made star Lord move like Superman. Um, and like, he's like flying around. He's like, you know, being this God essentially. And I'm like, Ooh, no, is he going to have these powers throughout the whole thing? I was very worried about that. Um, and You're I right. loved... that was a very Superman Zod kind of fight. Yeah. And I was, I was kind of worried that like the future star Lord will be able to do that. And that's not what I liked. I liked how he had like these little gimmicks and gadgets and that he would do all this cool different stuff. Um, to which, in the end, it worked out really nicely. Yes. Uh, one of my favorite things about the fight scene, too, um, is uh, the bomb sequence with Groot. I really, <laughs> uh, that was, I do remember that being in one of the original trailers, was like, the yes. first, like this, like, fully, essentially fully played out scene where he's like, all right, you know, what do you hit? Do you hit this one? Do you hit that one? And so, so they do the bomb sequence and it's, it's a lot of fun. So good times, good times. Love that sequence. Definitely played in the trailers a lot. Yeah. I remember that being a big trailer thing. 
Uh, and, and yeah, that, that Avenger style money shot, uh, right after the Mary Poppins comment, it looks so beautiful in this. And it's like, he even does it in, in a cool different way where it's like Mantis kind of pops up in the foreground. Like they, instead of just standing in a circle, like they just kind of keep adding to one another. Uh, and then it leads to what I think might be the funniest moment in the whole movie where she gets hit by that rock and then Drax is like, Mantis, look out. Yeah. yeah. Oh no, that was really good. I really like that too. <laughs> I mean, Drax. I mean, Batista killed it with that with that humor, man. Like he had such a oh man, just the dry humor that Drax has. It just works. It just works, and it's so funny. Also, I wanted to point out too that I almost forgot. Um, bef- just before the battle happens, is that uh, uh, after he blasts Ego, we actually do get to see a full cameo appearance of David Hasselhoff. <laughs> yeah that's right uh uh being an ego and I, I thought that was really really clever as well um in, in his and then cathedral there which which i also yeah. love those that image really stuck with me after the movie was uh his big marble statues where when he yes. whenever ego explains yeah. his stuff like those statues looked hauntingly beautiful there's just something about them that like i never got that image out of my head since the day i saw the movie mm-hmm. yeah no for sure it's they were they were absolutely beautiful and again very cgi but like i love i love how how they transform to tell his story and it's and it's done Mm -hmm. in a kind of michelangelo kind of way like you know what i mean it's 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 a beautiful thing and i I love how it's like an or like he talks about having an orgy (laughs) um i thought that was really good um that made me that made me laugh for sure uh and so uh, the fight scene was really cool. He talks about the Pac-Man attack. He turns into Pac-Man, breaks it down, which is really neat. Uh, the Sovereign gets involved, and I love that they're all trying to take him out in their all remote ships anyway. Uh, and they break the ship, and then we get Yondu's Merit Poppins, y'all, moment, mm-hmm. which is really nice. I uh, really like that song that plays whenever the Sovereign pop up. Wham, mm-hmm. bam, 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 that That really made my day. It's, it's so it, it, like, it, like Craglin's just eating his soup and, and like he, he then he sees them coming. But then it like it turns into a cue for them because, you know, we cut down to the planet and they're still fighting. And then when the sovereigns show up, the music kicks in. It's like it becomes their musical cue. I just that that really tickled my funny bone. Oh, yeah, no, it's so good. Um, and uh, yeah, so the, the the fight, the fight is pretty epic. And I like it. Mantis does the whole like she screams like sleep and like causes the god to uh, the god ego. And ego talks about how he's a celestial, which is true, which puts him uh, which puts him with the rest of the celestials um and uh and um so that kind of ties him in with the eternals by the way uh that's right point that out there uh and so they destroy ego so we know that ego is not coming back at this point um (laughs) but it's a good battle i i like it i again i i was a little bit worried about the whole god powers thing but i'm glad after he was destroyed that like that peter loses the powers as well um, yes yeah that's very very smart and it was also really smart to tie that in with the first movie to be like this is why you could touch the power stone and not die because of exactly the yeah. yeah so i'm happy with that um and it makes sense like okay he's got god in his bloodline that 
you know, yes, on the planet he should have powers, but the only other benefit it gives him is the ability to last holding a power stone. Sure. Um, and then Does we Ego get the have very... a brain in the core in the comics, or is that just a movie thing? Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. He had like a core to him that looked like a brain. And all I that like stuff. that. Yeah, yeah, very cool. And uh, and then so we get Yondu's funeral, and again, dark, like for a very happy-go-lucky first movie to this kind of emotionally intense second one, I thought that was very very interesting to do uh but i love that you know he gets his ravenger funeral and you know it's the nice transition to the new guardians um and uh it's a sad scene it's a sad scene but we get to we get what you wanted which is the other 99 it's ravagers <laughs> um some great some great cameos uh in there as well i believe michelle yo was uh one of the uh the ravagers as well yeah, yeah, she was. Uh, she was one of. I think, and then I think she pops back into the ship later with the yeah. car there. But I mean, Yondu was, as far as I can tell. Okay, this is our first uh, big hero death in the MCU, as as far yes. as my memory serves. Um, Actually, that's a good point. Yes, yeah, because they haven't killed off many hero folks yet, so it. it it was it was powerful in that regard, and then it was also powerful because this movie came out. Let's see, early twenty seventeen, right? Like spring mm-hmm. twenty seventeen, uh, and it happened. That happened to be like six months, like a little bit more, like let's say seven months after I lost my own dad in real life. So Ooh. when this scene came along. Uh, and it was it was not just the death of a hero, but it was essentially the death of of his true father figure. You know, it may have been your father, but it wasn't your daddy. Like that oh, that line, I love that line so much. Uh, like that's mm-hmm. that's his his father for all intents and purposes. That's who raised him. Uh, so to me, that death held even more resonance. And to this day, I think it might be the most beautiful scene the MCU has ever done. Just like, and yeah. with the Cat Stevens song in there, like it really, it hits me every time. Mm-hmm. No, for sure. It's, um, yeah, it's uh, definitely, uh, it, it has a lot of emotional weight, that scene. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's for, again, the, like the first one was just so happy-go-lucky. And this one just was full of, uh, just full of umph, you know? <laughs> I don't, I just, oh, it's so emotional um but in the end yeah it's in the end it's it's a beautiful film it's absolutely incredible and um and i love that he gets the zune as a <laughs> as a new music player uh which is funny it holds like a thousand songs on it or something like that. <laughs> so good uh nice little nod there and uh nebula runs off but you know they get a touching moment with nebula too the sisters hugging for the first time yeah um, sweet yeah, and I again, Nebula does something so subtle, which is like at first she resists it, and then slowly you see the acceptance of it, which is so so powerful. Yeah, and then um, when she pulls away, it's like she doesn't want um, she doesn't want Gamora to see her her face. She doesn't want to see mm-hmm. her cry. So when yeah. she pulls away from the hug, like her head is the first thing to turn away. Uh, she's Karen Gillan is so good. <laughs> So good. So, so well done. And then, uh, and uh, okay. So then 
We get the Ravenger funeral, which is really good. We got to see Sylvester Stallone again with the original Guardians all standing together. Um, there's also uh, one of the um, uh, Vishanti, the uh, sorcerers. Oh, for uh, real? Casting the magic. Yeah. Oh, how did I miss that? I, I was too busy staring at the red bug guy. Mm-hmm. I love that guy. What's his deal? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know that one, but you do see uh, one of them casting a spell, and I, I believe it's the Vishanti. So, oh my um, god, which is really cool. Really, you pick it up right near the end. Uh, I also love that. Um, oh, what's his name? Kragan. Kragan. Um, he yeah, he tries the tries the mohawk and then shoots the arrow into Drax. <laughs> <laughs> oh oh good times uh but rooker i i'd say incredible yondu and again beautiful send-off of the character um yeah i'll and, never be uh, able to watch that scene with a dry eye like i oh, it's yeah. it's too it's too powerful yeah it's it's way too powerful so let's get into the final end credit sequences so uh first of all of which the there are have... five it's insane there's five credit sequences in this yeah. movie <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot for sure um the the first one i like is the the teenage group <laughs> or young young group and that, that one's really good as vines are everywhere and what have you um then we get the uh the the song that david hasselhoff made for the uh <laughs> It was it was actually composed by uh, it was written by James Gunn and the composer was Tyler Bates along with David Hasselhoff. Um, so it's a it's a great great song. It's called Guardians Inferno. Yes, yeah, that, that uh, you can tell even just from the credits themselves that they just had a blast making this damn movie. Like the little oh, yeah. little like picture in picture images there where like you'll you'll see like Mantis dancing. And, and, you know, mm-hmm. the, the cast just kind of having a ball. And then you even get that cool little Grandmaster cameo. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> which is huge. Again. Yeah. That was, yeah, it was small, but it was so huge because we're like, oh my God, it's just Goldblum as, as the Grandmaster, which is the, uh, which if you don't know your comic book history, that is the brother of uh, the collector. Yes. And everybody caught on to that so fast like i feel like it was this little hidden thing like he's not there for long and it's this little mm-hmm. little image of him but everybody like the next day was talking about it and being like oh, this jeff goldblum's character from the, the new thor movie like i was like holy cow mm-hmm. yeah which is big because i thought we were gonna get a thor um easter egg or or um and credit scene, but we didn't. We did not. I'm glad we didn't because we just had one with Strange. So I think we're good. I think we're good for Thor yeah. scenes at this point. We did, uh, for sure. Or even Spider-Man. We didn't get a, a Spider-Man uh, end credit sequence. But we did get uh, the scene with the Sovereign. And this one, I actually remember this one in the uh, in the audience. And I will say the first Guardians probably had the biggest end credit, one of the biggest end credit sequences in MCU history um, next to next to Nick Fury being an Iron Man. I think that, that uh, talking about the stones with the collector was a big one uh, for Thor dark world. Um, but this one was pretty epic because I actually remember listening, hearing everyone in the audience just have that <gasps> moment, um, mm-hmm. which is she's, they're like, Oh, you see the cocoon. And she's like, and I shall name him Adam. And everyone just lost their mind. Heads explode wow yeah and it's and uh, as the rumors go on 
Uh, it sounds like he's rumored to be the villain of volume three, but then I know from the little I know of Adam Warlock, he's not a villain. He kind of turns on, on his, you know, he becomes a hero. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Do you, is he, do you think he's like a lock? Like he's going to be the bad guy in volume three or like what, what is volume three to you? From what I understand is that I think there's basically there's two. There's a there's an evil version of Adam Warlock, like an evil twin. But I think what happens is the uh, if I had to guess how Volume Three is going to play out, I think it's going to start with Adam being the villain, and then he's going to be the hero in the end, and that the Sovereign's going to be the the main villain. Oh, okay. I think, and and the way I think it's going to go down is there will be the two Adams. Um, and so I, I can't tell you how it's going to play out exactly, but I, I, my, my theory is, is Quasar is going to be introduced in the third volume. Um, and Quasar is a, uh, quite a big guardians character. Um, and she's very powerful. Essentially. She's like, uh, she's, she's like green lantern. She can like project things with her mind and the, that they become like essentially real, um, uh, like she can conjure oh, I can weapons. do that. Yeah, <laughs> she can conjure weapons with her will. Uh, it's it's known as quantum energy, uh, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, so it's going to be Quasar's going to join the group, and then I would love, love, oh my god, to see Nova for the love of God. <laughs> Every I think even with Guardians too, everyone's like Nova, please be at it, um, and even like no Nova Core whatsoever in Guardians too, which was interesting. Yeah, no Nova Corps whatsoever in Guardians 2. Um, but I think the Sovereign's going to be the main enemy, and there's going to be two villains. First, it's going to be Adam, and then Adam's going to turn good, and then it'll be a second one, which is the evil Adam, and then that one will be bad. So no room for Christine Everhart as a nihilist in your version. I see how it is. I see yeah, how it is. <laughs> I know how uh, much you want that to happen. It's not going to do it. Did you? I'm trying to remember, in our dream casting episode, um which if you guys yeah, want to see it right? it's it, it's on it's on youtube because we have visual stuff so i don't you won't find it on the i don't think you'll find it on on your podcast uh distributors but you'll find it on youtube our mcu dreamcasting but i i, I remember you had quasar ryan but did you have adam warlock oh man i don't think i did i don't um, think i did either how did we miss my, that i don't know i'm i'm actually going to quickly go back to that list uh because I do have the, the, there we go. I have the script right here. Um, I will say uh, the original thing that everyone was thinking was that. Um, was it McConaughey? I remember hearing McConaughey as like a shoe in for it. No, I wanted, I because like they used Bradley Cooper for Rocket's voice. And I was like, okay, well, if they're going to use an actor like Bradley Cooper, they might as well use him for another character and then just you know double cast them kind of thing right because i think they did that one i think they've done it once before i'm not 100 percent sure well no Benedict i, I cumberbatch is dormammu and strange so yeah so yes there you go so that's a good example so i was thinking that rocket so he could double his rocket and then do adam warlock uh, as well um but that's highly unlikely uh, I casted Quasar, and I—that's the only one I cast. I didn't cast uh, a—I uh, didn't cast uh, uh, Warlock or Nova. Or Nova, yes. I well, I—I I know who I want is my Richard Ryder, but I doubt it's ever going to happen. Nathan Fillion. Every, 
Yeah, everyone wanted Nathan Fillion, but it's it's not going to happen. If you agree with Ryan, hashtag Dick Ryder on Twitter. <laughs> I mean, it's it's perfect. It makes sense, but it does, I, it does I, make sense. Yeah, I doubt it. Yeah, no the uh, the actor I casted for uh, the actor I casted for Quasar was Naomi uh, from uh, Sherlock Holmes, and also uh, what's she was also an Aliens or sorry Prometheus. Oh, um, Rooney Mara? No, no. Her name's Numi, Numi Rapace. Yes, that's the one. Yeah, I always mix them up because their names sound similar. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. Numi Rapace. Yeah, she uh, she's pretty cool. I remember that casting and I liked that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I so think. Let's do a quick see- dream casting right now, though. Who would you want as Adam Morlock? Like, is Bradley Cooper like your, your number one choice? Um. want to say yes uh he could do a really cool really cool warlock based on some performances mm. i've seen matthew mcconaughey no i know that they've asked him you know actually you know who would be really cool to see uh is keanu reeves whoa whoa he would I'm do an adam. incredible adam warlock i hope he does i hope if they if they do cast I know they remember that. Remember that there was a big thing that they were talking to Keanu Reeves about a role, um, but I would love, 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 love him to do Silver Surfer or Adam Warlock. I I really like Keanu, and I hope I hope you're right. Um, if if I had to pick, I would go with he's the thing. The reason I'm picking him is because he's the kind of actor who only ever does Oscar bait. Like that's it. And I, I find yeah. that annoying. I find that annoying when actors are like that, like, okay, we know you're talented, get over yourself and have some fun though. Mm. Uh, so that's why I think it would be cool to see DiCaprio because I, I want to see DiCaprio <laughs> take off his goddamn suits and put on some makeup and play something. That's not, I'm a handsome guy in a suit. Give me an Oscar. I want to just get, wow, a, I want to get a Yeah. I'm sorry, Leo, but you tell have, us how you really feel. Yeah, you've been you've proven for 20 years you can play a handsome guy in a suit, uh, screaming at the academy for love. Now show us you can be an actor and play a character. And I, I wow. think I think that this is a great way for him to do that. Oh my god, I'm I'm impressed, man. That is a bold statement. <laughs> um, wow, dude, just wow. Um, if you agree yeah, with no, that hashtag? Come at me, Leo. <laughs> yeah. yeah no that would definitely be that would definitely be my dream casting i mean i've seen bradley cooper do some really cool things um but i would love to see keanu reeves do a warlock oh keanu reeves would be great he would be a really cool warlock um and he's got the hair for it so yeah he does yeah. uh yeah it would be it would be pretty neat um but anyway yeah so that's that's guardians man that's guardians volume two volume two now the whole thing with um with stallone and those other those other guardians is are they are are we to assume that they are getting some like that we have not seen the last of them like what's going on there um i think if the third one's building out to some massive war with the sovereign then we could see them again but i i doubt it i think i think it it was clearly a nod that's like hey this is the uh the original guardians <laughs> have a good time <laughs> right i mean yeah. I'd be all for it if they started like a side franchise with those 
those guys. Yeah. And I'm sure you would not say no to that either. No, I, I definitely no. wouldn't. I, I don't know. But see, that's the thing. It goes back to, I don't know if they have enough of a story to, to, to spin off. You know what I mean? Like as much as I would want so many stories to just spin off and go crazy, like, like WandaVision, I'm kind of surprised that they're, they're, they're doing it. But once I learned like how they're going to do her story, then I'm like, okay, that makes sense. But it's, um, uh, it's, it's interesting. Like, cause like fantastic four, like without certain characters, it's hard to do uh, a story with them. You know what I mean? Like without Dr. Doom, for example, you could, yeah. Really some solid stories. So I don't know if it's, if it's enough for the original guardians to have a, a big story. I don't know. I think just the little bit they showed us, like I'm so curious about them and like you get mm-hmm. in that one little scene, you get the sense that this is a team who likes each other. And like Stallone said, they're going to go steal some shit. Like there's, I think that this is a big ass playground and there's a lot of room for them to to play around in there. I'm, Kevin Feige, if you're listening, here's what you do. Okay. You give them a spin off. We play. love you, man. <laughs> love you. We love you, Kevin. Thank you for everything you do. Um, hire us, please. Um, yes. But here's, here's something for free to give you incentive to hire us is you give a spinoff movie to these guys. Remember Stallone is not getting any younger as far as I know. Um, everybody loves him though. Everybody loves Miley Cyrus. Everybody loves uh, Raymond. Uh, I love the red mantis man. So you, you know, you'll have my vote, but get a movie with this team together. Call it. You want to stick with the music theme, the musical album theme for your titles. I got one for you right here, baby. Guardians of the galaxy unplugged. Oh, you, you give them their side story, nice little spinoff, just one with them. And if it does super well, then maybe you can think of sequels. But you know, you just do one with them, have some fun with it, and just explore. Have you know Stallone fighting alongside a Crystal Man and a little Miley droid? Like, the, what's not to love? Yeah, it's well, it's true. Uh, I I agree. I agree. It's true. Uh, but again, mm-hmm. I I don't know. I just don't know if they have. I would have chosen Guardian Guardians of the Galaxy side A, and then if they do, if it's good enough to continue, I'd go side B, um, because they're the original. So it'd be like cassette player. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I like that a lot, man. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. So all right. So we need to get to the list, man. Let's get to the list. The character list. All right. Yeah. Because I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure there's quite a bit here. Mm-hmm. Oh, do, 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 do. Uh, I, I had a question for you and I just forgot it. Let's see. Oh, let's I see if it's. Uh, oh, no, it's not your fault. Let's see if it's here. Burp, 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 burp. No, it is not here. Oh, that's too bad. All right. Marvel character encyclopedia. So, so far, I have added Aisha. Yes. All right. Um, who else we got here? We've got Stakar slash Starhawk. Yep. Yeah. And then we have Charlie 27. Charlie 27, who is the, the crystal man? No, no. that The the crystal guy is called the crystal line Mar, Martinix. Martinix. Oh, okay. Um, so uh, Charlie 27 is like the super big guy. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, you want to hear something cool? Uh, my list is alphabetical. And guess who comes right after Charlie 27? Who? Christine Everhart. Uh, uh, I should have guessed that one. Uh, all right. So, uh, sorry, Crystal Guy. What did you say his name was? Uh, it's M-A-R-T-I-N-E-X. Martinex. That's a cool name. Uh, I also have Mantis here. 
Uh, uh, you're, and and you're missing Alita. A L E T A. Is that Miley? No, Miley is. Uh, give me a second. One second, one second. Robotic head name Mainframe. Oh wow, Mainframe. So who's Alita? Alita is Michelle Yeoh's character. Okay. And mainframe is spelled just like it is on reboot, I'd imagine. You are correct. Yay. Okay. So and I hope you put Adam Warlock because that technically counts too. Does that count though? It's a pod. It does. I mean, it's in the cocoon and she said she'll name it Adam. I don't know about that, man. <laughs> she said she'd name it Adam. <laughs> uh, I'm going to hold off on him for now. If you're with Ryan, put hashtag boo. No, if you're, if you're with Ryan, put hashtag put it on the list. <laughs> and if you're with me, put hashtag it's just a pod. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Uh, um, all right, cool. So that's a lot of a new character. Oh, uh, Taserface. Is he from the comics? Oh, man, I don't know. I didn't check that one. I'll check that one real Ooh. quick. Taserface. All right, Taserface. It's metaphorical. It's metaphorical. Oh my god. Oh yep, he's a real character. He's real. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, he's he first appeared in Guardians of the Galaxy number one uh in wow. June 1990. And I just realized on my list here I don't have Craglin, even though he was in movie part one. Craglin's yep. from the books, right? I believe Craglin is from the books. Yeah. What's wrong with me? I'm sorry, Craglin. There you go. Craglin is getting added to the list. And then of he looks, course, he's supposed to look like uh, uh, he's supposed to look like Yondu. He's supposed to be blue, and he's supposed to have like these huge ears. Oh wow! Yeah. Uh, I like the way they make him look in the movies, though. He's he's he doesn't even though he's not in makeup, he doesn't look like a normal, just boring human. Like he he looks unique. Yeah. Um, all right, so unfortunately now I have to hop over to the cemetery and put a little gravestone for Yondu uh, and, ego. and Ego. Oh, boy. All right, so Ego's ego's gravestone, I would imagine, is just like those marble statues. Um, it's just like a big one of those. Um, yeah. And the, the epitaph says, here lies Ego. Yes, Drax, I got a penis. Um, <laughs> yeah, and it's not uh, bad. Yeah, it's it's quite something. Uh, and now we got Yandu. Oh boy! So, I think Yandu's grave has to be special, right? Yeah. We need fireworks. It, there's constantly got to be fireworks above his grave. Yeah, yeah. Um, Actually, it should have like a little. Uh, it should have a little hole in the middle with like the jet engine burning the blue flame. I think it was. Yes, and all on top of the stone is the little frog and the troll doll <laughs> and the fin. The fin is on it's it's yeah. sideways on the stone so that when you look at the headstone it looks like a side profile of Yandu's head. Oh that's cool. I dig oh, it. I can't wait to visit this cemetery when it's built in real life. <laughs> you listen yeah. in Disney World? Well, can you imagine <laughs> that's like the most You listen in Disney World, we love you. Hire us. <laughs> The most morbid attraction. Hey, kids, the Marvel Cemetery. It's actually not as big, though. It's not as big as the people like to think. Uh, the cemetery? 
Yeah, our cemetery is not that big. Yeah, no, we've got like a grand total of what, like 15 dead people in here? Let's see. Yeah. So far, I'll tell you who's dead so far. We got Aldrich Killian, Alexander Pierce, the Ancient One, Arnim Zola with a question mark because he really could be still alive in the, the cloud. Um, After just listening to the Winter Soldier one, yeah, no, he could be. I, I swear they took him on a thumb drive. They had to. Yeah, somebody's got There's, him somewhere. Why would you put a thumb drive port for Zola just yeah. for a tiny little algorithm? It just doesn't, doesn't make sense. Yeah. So his gravestone also has that question mark on it, too, because even the, the person who made it was like, I don't know. Um, yeah. And we got Ego, Dr. Erskine, Frigga, um, Obadiah oh, Stane. Yeah. Uh, the Ivan Vanko, Korath the Pursuer, Curse, Malekith, the other, Phil Coulson, Quicksilver, Ronan, T'Chaka, Ultron, Yellow Jacket, Jensen, and Yondu. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. So it's it's uh not the most full cemetery, but it is getting there. It is getting mm-hmm. pretty full. Um well, I guess it's time to give some stones to this film we gotta rate it on a scale of zero infinity stones to six infinity stones or you can give it a full infinity gauntlet if you think it's just too good for six stones um where's your heart lion ryan Ooh, uh, <laughs> uh i'm gonna give it five i'm gonna give it five and, and it's only because as much as I love sci-fi, like I love sci-fi guys. Don't get me wrong. I love it. Um, for me though, I, like I said, my brother's the cosmic one. I think it, I think it was a good movie. Just personally, it just doesn't quite hit home for me as much as others have. Yeah, that's fair. That is fair. I, mm-hmm. I think that if you were to ask me my rating when I left the theater, on the night that I saw it, I would have also agreed with you and said five. Um, but I think it has grown on me a bit more since I've seen it. So I'm going to go with six stones Ooh. for Guardians. And I think the only thing that holds it back for me um, is just a couple of these little like nitpicks I have, like I said about the music and how it felt forced. And it, it was also less like the music was more obscure to me. And now I am not a music guy. I need to stress that. So a lot of music is obscure to me, but uh, I, I remember my friend Robin and I, when this, when Guardians 2 was about to come out, like a few months before the movie was coming out, I made a bet with him. I was like, Robin, let's make a bet. Um, I'll pick three songs that I think are going to be used in the movie and you pick three songs and, you know, we'll see who has the most right. Uh, I can't remember what I picked. I remember one of them was September by Earth, Wind and Fire because like, that, yeah. that just sounds like a Guardians of the Galaxy song. And, you know, I was trying to be like, I was like, okay, it has to be something his mom would have, uh, you know, Star-Lord's mom would have uh, introduced him to. So it should be from the 70s and 80s. So I can't remember what my other two picks were, but none of our picks were in this movie. It was all like super obscure stuff. I had mm-hmm. never heard of of the Flashlight song until this movie. I'd never heard of Southern Nights. Uh, I had never heard of Brandy. Like these were all really inside baseball music things. And uh, <laughs> the, the other thing that kind of, took me out of it a little bit that I thought they, they should have dialed back was um, there's a little thing they did with Drax that I found kind of annoying. Um, it was, it's that sort of thing where, you know, the first movie we all, everybody fell in love with Drax in the first movie, right? Like he, he stole the show. He was my favorite character after guardians one. Um, and then Disney did this thing where it was like, okay, 
everybody loves Drax, so let's make him more wacky and cheerful, I guess. So, you know, he has moments in this movie where he says and does things that are, they they don't really add up. And I get it. He has spent time with the Guardians. He spent time having adventures with his friends. So he's kind of, yeah, he's he's loosened up a little, but I mean, when they crash on um, on I forget that planet where they crash in the woods, I forget what it's called. But when they crash there and he's being towed behind the the, the spaceship on the cable, and then they oh, hit the ground, yeah. and he he gets up and he just starts laughing and he goes, "That was awesome, yes!" And I'm like, "That sounds like something a kid on the Disney Channel would say." That does not sound like Drax. Uh, yeah. it, it's like that that Ghostbusters two thing, you know, like in Ghostbusters, where Ghostbusters the first one was so popular, especially with kids. So some Dumbo from Hollywood was like, "We got to make it more for the kids when we do a sequel." So like in Ghostbusters two, they don't swear anymore and they don't smoke cigarettes anymore, and like they're they're just more kid friendly, and it just feels wrong. It feels like they're like feels uh, patronizing. I got that mm-hmm. same kind of feel with Drax a few times in this movie. So that kind of took it down a notch for me too. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, I definitely, I don't know. Overall, there there were some misses, I agree. Like some, I, I would say disingenuine. Like it felt like some things were forced for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, I could see why you'd, you'd rank it that way. I find that interesting. Um, but I, I will say that that like the movie in the end, like James Gunn d- does a great job. And, and like I said, like I just feel... Like for me, I'm not a fan of. Uh, I, I'm not still not uh, as much as a fan as Guardians is like, you know, another Marvel fan would be. So that's why I, it's not. It's not points against it. It's just points that like again, it, I, like if it were like my favorite movie, like Captain America movies, like I need to give it as many you know criticism or as many uh, points as I can because I love those Captain America movies so much. So it's more it's more uh, subjective than objective. So, how does your brother Nick feel about the two Guardians movies? Oh, he loves them. I mm-hmm. I haven't I haven't uh, if I were to bring him on the show, I, I don't know what he, exactly he would say, but I, I know he loves them a lot. Okay, yeah, I'm really curious to hear his thoughts because I know that they are. I know the Cosmos is his thing, and I'm sure yeah. he's looking forward to Eternals um yeah he he's looking to he's really interested to see how eternals is going to turn out um because just from what he knows um and uh i would say actually the the one i wanted to talk about the most actually is uh thor ragnarok Ooh, uh because yeah he's he, he likes the the thor stuff as well um but yeah thor ragnarok and i would love to see him t- when fantastic four comes out i'd love to see him talk about fantastic four yeah. Oh, definitely. When, yeah. when Fantastic Four comes out, I would, I would love to go see it with the two of you because oh, I, yeah. I would get twice the entertainment for my ticket price. <laughs> I get two. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. No. That that when that day comes, that that will happen. We will we will all watch it together, whether it be through Disney Plus online watching together or whatever. We'll we'll, we'll do it. Um, but Hopefully yeah, no, my brother, I'll go to theaters again. So. <laughs> we'd have to fly to Victoria, but, uh, <laughs> or, or we'd have to get him down here, but it will happen for sure. Worth it. Um, yeah, no, definitely. Uh, so yeah, no, I, I definitely, uh, I, I, my brother definitely loved the guardians movies. I know he really enjoyed it. Um, again, he, he knows a bit more than I do, but overall, like guardians are a relatively very niche, uh, group. Uh, but in the end, I'd say guardians, 
pulled in, as mentioned before, Regardians pulled in a lot of new fans just because of the, the style of humor and the unique style of storytelling that it did in comparison to the other films because um, it just didn't feel like your traditional comic book film. So, yeah, um, a lot of people I talk to, uh, even like Isabella, will love Guardians more than other ones. So. Yeah, they should have called it Guardians of the Gateway Drug because that's exactly yeah. what it is. <laughs> It gets you into the rest of the world, and it's so much damn fun. Like you can't get enough of it. Uh, here's a here's a question for you. So, in Infinity War, we see Thor meet and team up with the Guardians of the Galaxy, right? Oh, I love that scene. So, Guardians Volume Three, you can pick any one character besides Thor to to show up and and hang out with the Guardians in the same way that we got Hulk in Thor Three. Uh, we get one one Marvel character in Guardians Volume Three that tags along for the ride and hangs out with them and 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 uh, helps out. Who who are you picking? Home, oh, any Marvel character? Anyone that we've had in the movies so far? And oh. and let, let's let's say, what's the last movie on the docket right now in terms of Phase Four's release? Is Thor: Love and Thunder the last one? Um, I think so. Yeah, I think Thor Love and Thunder is the absolute last one. Yeah, I think that's where it stops, right? So let's say Guardians 3 comes out right after Thor Love and Thunder. So you could include, even though we haven't really seen them yet, like you could include like David Harbour's character from Black Widow if you want. Like you can include the people coming in these next few upcoming movies. Mm -hmm. You know what? This is going to be a really weird choice, but I'm going to roll with it. Mm -hmm. Is... I'm gonna I'm gonna do two. I'm gonna do two choices. One, do it, I just do it. I I just one I just want personally, and uh and then the second one I I think is the smartest move, and there's some really cool stories you can tell. Um, so the first one I want to see is the is some more Doctor Strange with the Guardians. I think Ooh. there's some really cool space cosmic uh magic stories you can tell um who i think is the most logical choice and will probably get the most character out i think by by having this person in there we'll get the the most character um is i think captain marvel needs to be in guardians yeah that's a good one because because in and more importantly the reason why i say that is because what i want to see is first of all i think that captain marvel really uh and i think brie larson does a great job of bouncing off of a lot of other characters and i would love to see her play with the guardians i think that i think that will get probably the closest to the captain marvel we want to see on screen with the with her being with the guardians and on top of that i also want to see uh the reason why i want to see her with the guardians is i want to know why is she so concerned with everything else that's going on as opposed to um uh as opposed to what was going on in the events of the avengers because she seems awfully distracted by other events and i want to know because like if thanos is as bad as he is and and it almost convinces her to like tag along and and deal with these issues um which at first it, it she jumps on board and like gets 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 rid of thanos but later on she has to come back 
So obviously she leaves and goes deals with other things that are going on in the universe. I want to know what those things are. And I think that I think that she is the key to a lot of good storytelling that we just haven't gotten yet from Captain Marvel. That's a great choice, man. I think I might have to echo that sentiment there. Like that is mm-hmm. and and the thing with Captain Marvel is she also comes from the cosmic side of Marvel, but yeah. personally, I found like I, I again, I've only watched her movie once, so I'm, I can't wait to get back and, and try it again. But I found that the her cosmic, like the people she hung out with, like Yon Rog, the um, the authority or whatever the boss is called, um, like her her pocket of the cosmic universe, I found kind of bland in comparison mm-hmm. with, with what we've met in Guardians and in Ragnarok and stuff. Uh, maybe it just wasn't as bright and colorful and cheery. I don't know, but I, I just found it kind of like. I didn't want to play there and I should, yeah. I should want to play there. So I think maybe if, if the guardians interact with her and her world and open it up a bit more and show us what that world's like and what it can be like, then I think, yeah, then I think I will want to play there more. I think that makes a lot of sense. I'm, I'm going to also say Captain Marvel. I think you're right on the ball. I'll, as a, as a runner up, I'll, I'll say that if this, you know, hypothetical Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 comes out after Thor Love and Thunder. I think mm. I'm going to be in the headspace where I would want to see Shang-Chi team up with them just because I feel mm. like when that movie is done, when Shang-Chi is over, I'm going to want so much more out of those characters. I, I'm mm. going to, I feel like it's going to be like a Doctor Strange situation where we just scratch the surface of Shang-Chi's world and I know yeah. once it's over, I'm going to be ravenous for more. So I'll, I'll say as a runner-up, put Shang-Chi there with them. I love it. I love it. I, I couldn't agree more. And and yes, I actually double-checked, and it looks like so far there's been a change in the schedule. It's actually Doctor Strange is the last, the last one. But originally, yes, it was Thor Love and Thunder. Oh, wow. Doctor Strange is the last, huh? He, he got bumped yeah, down. No. Doctor Strange got pushed back. The last official date that was posted here uh, was March 25th, 2022. Now that's odd because that movie is about to start filming and they haven't even begun to film uh, Love and Thunder yet. Yep, this is the last schedule I have. So, Wow, damn. I'm curious to see how that's going to play out. But uh, anyway, that 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 is for, for that is for another podcast, as they say. <laughs> yeah, that's for our our schedule podcast it's called infinity mm-hmm. scheduling where it's yeah. just literally it's literally us sitting for two hours and we just keep refreshing the page on the schedule to see if there's any changes it's just yeah. a lot of like every other minute we're just like nope still the same uh, yeah still the same it's it's a very good podcast though absolutely the best the best podcast i i want the superpower where every time i enter a room uh, mm-hmm. Everybody else in the room hears wham, bam, sham, a lamb, and a sha la 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 la. I love it. Uh, Is Guardians that how we ended? Eight. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I, it should be. You're right. That should have been it. Uh, yeah, that's 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 Guardian. Well, well, you know what? We we forgot to do something last time, so I want to make sure I do it this time before we end. Is uh, everybody obviously who just heard this podcast has fallen in love with the dulcet tones of Ryan Joseph Whitehead's voice. So if you want to hear more of that voice and hear more of this beautiful man talk about things he loves, where can you go? 
Great question, man. Thank you so much. Uh, you can follow me on my streaming channels at twitch.tv forward slash Xbox Canada and also twitch.tv forward slash EZ Encore. Uh, and my podcast, uh, though my brother and I have kind of gone on a podcasting hiatus uh, because my brother had a child. Um, but you can follow us over at Brother Scrim. And then, you, but you want to hang out here right now for all the Marvel love, which is Infinity Rewatch on the Rebel Scum Podcast Network. Yeah, but like, guess what just came out? The Xbox Series X. So, like, do you want to hear about that? You want to, like, talk about games and stuff? Ryan is, like, front row center mm-hmm. in that. Yeah. So you can watch his Twitch streams. He's, did you you did the, um, uh, a video I think did you unbox it did you unbox the series yeah, X I did the work yeah. uh, X, uh, Microsoft sent me uh, the Xbox Series X a day before it came out and I got to do an open box see that's where else are you gonna get that where else are you gonna see a person open it before it comes out nowhere yep. that's Ooh. where and I don't I don't mean the giant floating head where uh, Ronan beat up Drax I mean actually mm-hmm. nowhere um yeah so so check out check out his twitch streams they're so much fun uh because he knows a lot about games and uh there's a brand new console so you want to learn about it and talk to this man right here uh i don't have a brand new console but that's okay i do have a twitter handle at andrew fantasia that i barely check and i also have uh, instagram andrew fantasia that i check far more frequently you can also find me on the andrew fantasia channel on youtube where i talk about popular culture and you can find one of my uh, my um, aforementioned sequel title uh, video essays where I talk about how Friday the 13th Part 8, Jason Takes Manhattan is the greatest sequel title of all time. <laughs> and then when I'm not doing that, you can find me right here on the Rebel Scum Podcast Network talking about either Star Wars or Marvel, depending on what the day is. So that has been a beautiful, so touching episode of Infinity Rewatch. Uh, Ryan, I hope you have a marvelous day. I hope you do too, my friend. And you know what we got to end with? Wham, wham, bam, 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 b